Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. And now it's my privilege to introduce Helen to you. And as I said earlier, she spoke at our Women's Weekend. Many of us also know her from working with Gordon and Rachel Hickson and Heart Cry for Change. And what I love about Helen is it isn't just about what she's learned or what she's researched or what she's studied. What you get is real heart. Helen has got such a heart for people, a heart for God and a heart for us as a church as well. Well, hi, FBC family. It's so great to get to connect with you. I'm sorry it has to be virtual and not in person. I would have loved to give you a hug or a high five or an elbow pump or whatever it is we're allowed to do at the moment. But maybe quite soon, hopefully, we'll be able to connect again. I have really fond memories of my times with you. I think most recently it was a women's retreat that we went away together on. And I know you know my colleagues, Rachel and Gordon Hickson as well who also send their love to you. Hope you're um, surviving this strange COVID season. I was amused by a cartoon I saw in the press relatively recently that said, I wish we could go back to precedented days. And I don't know if you feel the same, but it's just we're having one unprecedented season after another, it feels like. And uh, some of that can get a little bit wearing for those of us who love change. I'm sure you appreciate it at the moment, but I'm certainly, you know, I'm just joking aside. But I know that this is quite a, a challenging time, but I'm sure that by the grace of God, he will lead us through. But I was, it got me really thinking uh, recently about things that define us in seasons of shift and change. And I've called this morning's talk, Defining Times, Redeeming Moments. Defining Times, Redeeming Moments. And I was thinking about times in history and times in our own lives as well, where we can specifically identify a time, or sometimes it's even a moment, and in hindsight, we realise that was a really defining moment. That was something that shifted an era. Sometimes we realise it at the time. We realise, oh my goodness, nothing's going to ever be the same again. And at other times we, we kind of experience it. it. It can be really positive or really negative, but we don't quite realise how much of an impact and how much definition it will give to our lives till a little bit later on and then we realise we are uh, it's still experiencing the repercussions of it, be that negatively or positively. I was thinking of moments in history and of course as believers in Jesus we actually date our calendars by the birth of Jesus. The Gregorian calendar has a BC before Christ and an AD Anno Domini because of the significance of that defining time of a saviour being born. For others of us in society in general, you'd probably, if you were asking a group of people, they'd say, well, the world wars were such a defining time. Or maybe, you know, it for black Americans in the United States, the George Floyd event, a defining moment. Or think further back in history to Rosa Parks, that uh, African-American woman who was courageous enough to board a bus in the United States in the segregation era and sit in the, in inverted commas, wrong place as a protest against segregation. And the rest, of course, is now history. Or is it? <laughs> but it's like we have those defining moments, those times when we know nothing is ever going to be the same again. 
I went to the dentist this morning and uh, with all the PPE and all the rest of it that that involves and um, the dental hygienist was talking to me afterwards and she just said you know I'm not sure we're ever going to go back to how things were before Covid it feels like you know we can never totally secure everyone at all times against any form of virus I think all this PPE and masks and gloves and whatever that I'm having to wear and shields is going to stay and it's like Covid has been a defining time and it got me thinking about life about defining times in our own individual lives and I can think back now to real defining moments of great joy in my life I remember that moment of working my socks off to get my A-levels and then getting that letter that said you've got your place at university. That was a defining time for me and it was one of great joy and has set the course for my life. I remember being accepted by a selection conference in the Church of England for ordination in the church. That was a defining moment for better or for worse but seriously and there are other times where I can think of where I felt betrayed or hurt sometimes even by people in church and that seems to sting or hurt all the more and even recalling that for you now I can remember some of the emotions connected with it because it was a defining time but by the grace of God I believe defining times can also be redeemed moments and I want to speak to us this morning from a passage in John chapter 6 verses 66 to 68 and the context of this is that Jesus has been teaching a wide group of people including his 12 and including a wider circle of disciples and also a crowd a mixed crowd of those who are sympathetic and those less so but we're aware that the group he's been teaching are have been following him for a, a, a while now and have clearly had questions and maybe question marks over some of what he's taught perhaps also over his behavior he's hung out with sinners he spent time with women and it's like Jesus we're just not sure we, 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 we're finding some of this a bit strange and we're just not sure and the context we join in John chapter 6 is Jesus teaching them about him coming down as the bread from heaven and he says I am the bread of life and he refers back to Moses with the story of the manna and how God provided the manna or Moses provided the manna at the time and here he says you know Moses in fact didn't provide the manna for you it was God who did and now God is giving you the new bread from heaven and I am that bread of life and I've come down from heaven and you need to eat of me and drink of me and then he goes on to you know give the early hints of what was later to become the last supper which was where he broke the bread and he said you need to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood and the early hints of that and that for the disciples listening was the very last straw they could not stomach what Jesus was saying they couldn't understand it it confused them it gave them cause for concern theologically they were all over the place and they just thought Jesus we've had it we just cannot take any more of this and we join the story in in John 6 verse 66 when it says this from this time many of Jesus disciples turned back 
and no longer followed him. First thing I note from that is that it was some of the disciples that turned back. It wasn't the wider crowd around. We're talking in-house. We're talking church here. And it says, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus turns to the twelve and says to them, you don't want to leave me too, do you? And Simon Peter answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Out of that passage, there are so many different angles we could go and maybe you want to study those verses in your own time. But the, the, the words that really leapt out at me for the talk today were these words in verse 30, uh, 66, from this time. And I felt the Holy Spirit ask me a question and by extension, I want to ask it to you. And the question was this, Helen, have you ever had a from this time moment in your walk with me? Or have you had a from this time moment in your walk with other people, your relationships? And I said, God, I, I have. I can define those times. I know the highs and the lows, like I said to you earlier on. I, I, I know I've had a from this time moment. And he said to me, there is a key when you have those seminal moments, those defining times in your life. And the key is how you respond to them. And I said, Jesus, teach me more. This sounds like a really good lesson for life here. And he said, look at Simon Peter. Here was Simon Peter who responded from the heart when challenged and it revealed his heart. Remember Jesus often said out of the overflow of your mouth your heart speaks and here Simon Peter's heart was revealed. He may have been offended by what Jesus was saying or he may have found it confusing. We, we don't actually know but whatever it was, however he'd responded to Jesus's teaching, his response to Jesus was where else am I going to go, Lord? You hold the keys to life itself. Where else can I go? And I felt Holy Spirit say to me, you know, life has many of those from this time moments. Maybe they're delays or disappointments, times when you've dreamt for things, believed for stuff, and it's fallen through. Times of betrayal. How many of you would say they're the hardest to stomach? Maybe seasons of life that have shifted, changes that have happened as a result of involuntary surprise redundancies many people going through that right now or perhaps retirement that wasn't all that it was cracked up to be maybe marriage but then no baby or maybe that knocking on the door of marriage and never quite finding the right husband or the right wife Challenges with health can be so hard. They can be from this time moments when you get that diagnosis at the doctor's surgery and you think, wow, this has shaken my world. It's a from this time moment. Maybe trials of faith where you've prayed and prayed and prayed for something, maybe in the area of healing or, or provision. And it feels like heaven is leaden and you can't break through a from this time moment. Then, of course, the big picture, as I've already alluded to, those national from this time moments and how we respond in these times is really critical and I felt God say you know there are two reactions in this story in John chapter 6 there's the 
hedgehog reaction, if you like, the flight reaction of this is all too difficult. Get me out of here and quickly. And it says here, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed Jesus. Many. And I thought, wow, that must have been so hard for Jesus. But many of the disciples decided, you know what? I quit. I'm done. I'm out of here. And for some of us, sometimes that is a temptation. Relationships are just too hard. Navigating those crises moments has just become too complicated. And we're like, I'm out of here. It's easier just to shake the dust from my feet and go. And that is an option, of course. And then there's Peter's response of, oh, this is seriously challenging, Jesus. And we've just lost a whole load of friends around us as well. Many of the disciples have gone. But you know what? We're sticking with Jesus. Where else can we go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. And that word for life that is used here, you probably already know, is the Greek word zoe. And it is the fullness of life. Strong's Dictionary defines it as this. Zoe life is the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, that belongs to God himself. And when he gives it to us, it is life real and genuine, active life, vigorous life, devoted to God and blessed and favoured in our relationships to other people. That is the quality of life that Peter recognised was available only through Jesus himself. And he's like, yeah, I might have a quiet life, Jesus, by extracting myself, being the hedgehog, disconnecting, or maybe just watching from the sidelines. How many of you know sometimes we're tempted to do that when things get hard? We withhold a bit, we draw back. We, we become spectators more than engaged. And it's like in those seasons, we kind of are living, but we're not living free. We're not living spontaneous. We're not living full of beans and full of life. We're not really enjoying life. And Peter says, I could check out, but actually I won't have Zoe life unless I press in. And I feel like that's a word for some of us here this morning, that actually I don't know what circumstances you're facing in your individual lives. I know some of the big picture has been tough for you both as a church, but also in this season of COVID. And it reveals and unle unleashes many of our insecurities, or maybe that's just me. But you know, I've had days where I've just felt grumpy. It's like, oh great, I've just woken up grumpy again. <laughs> and it's like, we wanna blame other people. We, we don't, we're not great to be around. I'm sure that's not you, but for me, it's like bit grumpy, bit prickly, not quite sure I want to I want to be around people and I, I just withdraw in those times but I know Jesus is saying don't withdraw press in press in buy in and choose life and let's make it through let's make it through together together with Jesus but together with one another as well but the thing I notice here is even though Jesus holds the keys to life he still gives the disciples his 12 a choice. And that's the phenomenal thing and the slightly scary thing. If Jesus was a little bit more dictatorial or a bit more clear in some senses with his guidance of thou shalt, but actually how many of us know that in life we, we seems to give us a lot of choice and sometimes the choices are not clear. It's like he's saying choose either way, but there will be consequences to both. And here Jesus asked the 12, what are you going to do? Here's a choice. This is a fork in the road. This is a, 
a threshold moment. This is a defining moment. What are you going to choose? And Peter chooses life. Was his life easy because of it? Oh no. And in fact, it was Peter who was later to deny Jesus because life did get so difficult, so challenging. But amazingly, I believe that because Peter had the right mentality and his heart was in the right place, even that challenge around the fireplace when he denied Jesus actually set him on course for that defining moment in his life to become a redemptive moment, to become a moment where Jesus was able to say, Peter, I know your heart. You did mess up. You messed up big time. But I know your basic heart. Why? Because of this earlier defining moment in chapter six. And so I'm actually going to build my church on you. And I believe that's a word for some of us. Jesus knows your heart. He knows where you're struggling today. He knows where you found it tough, where you felt hurt and betrayed. But he's giving you another choice because actually he needs your words to speak your heart intention. And then he can step in and help you through. I believe that God always gives us that option. Another question that he sometimes asks us is not, are you going to leave me? But do you want to be made well where we're hurting? And this is from John chapter five and verse nine. And it was the other verse that I felt to share with you. And this is Jesus encounter at the heat of the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And you remember he'd been there a long time and he'd been caught up in uh, a, a sort of movement that was kind of a, a healing movement, a belief system that was when the angel comes down and stirs this pool, if you're the first in, you're going to get healed. It sounded a little bit superstitious, but it was like he was desperate for healing. And then Jesus comes onto the scene and he faces the man and he says to him, do you want to be made well? And it's like, Jesus, isn't it obvious this man's sitting here? I mean, but Jesus cuts through all the excuses all the blame shifting, all the sort of confusion of this man. And he gives him a choice again. It's really annoying when Jesus cuts through all my excuses, cuts through all where I've blamed other people, especially when it has actually been their fault. I mean, do you, do you, do you know? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and those moments are really annoying because Jesus isn't actually that interested. And he faces me and he says, yeah, but actually I'm interested in you in this moment. Do you want to get healed? Do you want life back? And it's like I've got a choice in that moment. And here he talks to the man at the pool and he says, do you want to be made well? And the guy says, tries to give another excuse. And then Jesus says, you know what? Take responsibility here. You pick up your own mat and walk. and Get up and be healed. And I felt like God wanted to share with us this morning that he's in the business of bringing wholeness and healing and wellness. You know, in our society today, it's become trendy to talk about the wellness industry. And that includes everything from counselling and therapies right through to beauty treatments and um, spa uh, days and you know all everything in between Botox and you know everything that will make you apparently allegedly better body mind soul and spirit everything's being sold in the name of wellness in fact I discovered that the global wellness industry was worth 4.5 trillion dollars in 2018 that is an awful lot of money but today Jesus stands in front of us and says do you want to be made well because my wellness is free 
and it really, really works. Do you want that gift of wellness? When Jesus says, do you want to be made well? It's the Greek word hugies, and it means healthy of body, whole of mind and emotions and rooted in truth theologically. God's wholeness, God's wellness is holistic. And I feel like some of us have tried to sort problems, have tried to deal with issues by just being one dimensional in a sense of we've only just trained our minds. It's like if I just repeat the Bible verses that talk about the truth of this situation, then I'll be OK. But it's like you're not just mind. And actually, of course, we need to train our minds. We need to take every thought captive. We need to almost in a positive way brainwash ourselves because we have got the mind of Christ. But God says, love me with all your mind, but with all your heart. Your emotions matter. Your deepest spiritual part of you, your soul matters to me. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your body and with all your mind. So I believe this is a time to get fit for purpose again. He wants us to be fit for purpose, body, mind, soul and spirit. And Jesus extends to us a gift of well-being, a gift of wellness. And he says, you know what, let this from this time moment where it's been negative become a redemptive moment for you. Let me give you my gift of healing. Let me give you Zoe life back. Let me restore you to health and healing. Simon Peter answered the Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? And I want to just pick up that little word in that question. To whom shall we go? For Simon Peter, it was a we. To whom shall we go? It wasn't to whom shall I go. It was a we. There was an usness about Peter's mindset. And I believe that times of crisis very often make us insular. They make us look out for number one. In fact, there's been an interesting discussion in the press about the regulations and advice that the government has been issuing where it's all it's been about kind of look out for for yourself protect yourself make sure you're healthy wear your face covering and then the the flip side which is that actually even if you don't care two hoots you need to look out for, for all of this because of other people. There needs to be an usness, a togetherness about this. It's not just about us as insular individuals. And I feel like Peter has a lot to share with us here. Lord, to whom shall we go? And as a church, I want to encourage you to have that us-ness about this season. You may have been going through a tough time personally. You may have gone through a tough time corporately. And the temptation is, well, let me just sort myself out. But I believe true health and well-being is restored when the body as a whole becomes comes to that place of trust again and of healing again. And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? And I wonder whether in responding to this and other words that I'm sure you've had shared with you over this season, that you bond together in a new way, that there would be an usness. We have the option to walk away like the disciples did. We have the option to become insular and that's a very human response. But Jesus today, I believe, gently convicts 
He says, you know what, one of the things that really suffers in tough times is communication. And the picture I had for you was of the storms and the gales that we actually had back in February. I don't know if you can remember back that far. But in those storms, some of the big power lines and power cables came down and the communication towers were disrupted. And I felt it was a picture of how communication and power lines had got disrupted through this tough time and tough season of COVID and also other challenges. And I feel like Jesus is on this today and he's saying, let me heal you. Let me restore emotional well-being to you. Dig deep into me. Press into me for body, mind, soul, spirit renewal. And you will not regret it. And you will be made a whole body again. And that there will be an usness that is stronger than it was before. Well, those were my words of hopefully wisdom this morning. Let me pray as we close out today. Maybe if you identify with some of what I've said and can identify even as I was speaking those from this time moment, something came to your memory. I want to just pray for you right now. And if you agree with me, say a big amen at the end. Father God, I thank you so much that whatever the from this time moments have been in our lives, whether they are incredibly positive or whether they've actually really hurt, we have a redeemer and his name is Jesus. And we thank you that as we come to him today and we look into his eyes and he gives us a choice to keep pressing in or to back off, we choose life today, God. We choose to press into you and to look to you for the source of our well-being in the days to come. So I bless each single person this morning. Bless them with wellness, God well-being. I bless them with healing where they need that. And I bless them with favour for the season to come. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said...